All right, all right. Sorry, I got to talking to people. Here we go. If you have your Bibles, grab them, turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Starting a new series today that I'm calling Wisdom for the Ages. Wisdom for the Ages, where we're going to look. Wow, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't mind Ryan. He's just cleaning. All right, wisdom for the ages, where we're going to look at the wisdom literature in the Bible. That is the book of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. I don't know if we'll hit that one or not, but we'll see. Uh, and even Job are all what we call the wisdom literature of the Bible. We believe that wisdom offered in these books is not outdated. All right? The wisdom in Proverbs and Psalms and so forth is not outdated, but rather it is relevant and needed today just as much, maybe not, if not more, than it was thousands of years ago when it was written. As we are trying to navigate a 21st century world with technology and science and social media and everything that the modern world has to offer, there is a temptation to think that we need something new. New information, new wisdom for a new world. Some new secret, some new breakthrough, some new discovery to unlock how it is that we can navigate the complexities of modern 21st century life. But that is not the case. That is not true. No, we need wisdom. Wisdom that has been true for thousands and thousands of years and has been true for all of creation. Without wisdom, we will find that we make poor decisions. And those poor decisions have the opportunity to wreak havoc and destroy our lives. But if we can obtain wisdom, no matter what the modern world throws at us, we will be able to navigate it. So the first question we've got to ask this morning is, what in the world is wisdom? What is wisdom? First, what wisdom is not. Wisdom is not merely morality or ethics. Wisdom does help us have morality. It does help us do the right things, make right decisions. Those who are wise will, in fact, live moral lives, live ethical lives. Wisdom is not less than morality, but it is certainly more than just morality. You see, wisdom comes into play when the rules don't apply. We need wisdom when the rules don't apply. When there's not a clear, like, thou shalt not lie. Okay, I get that. But what, what about when I've got five colleges to choose from and they're all good options? What about if, when I have to decide whether or not I should get married and then whom should I marry? What about when we have to think through, should I discipline my children? And then how do I discipline my children? Uh, we, morals tell us not to lie in our tax refund, but then what do I do with my tax refund? When multiple uh, options are on the table, what path do we choose? Morals don't help because they only apply to what not to do. 
But when you have good options before you, picking the wrong path can still be disastrous. So morality is an aid in some of these things, but only tells us what not to do. Morality says don't lie on your taxes. Morality says don't marry an unbeliever. Uh, Morality says don't beat your children. But it doesn't tell you how to discipline your children, what to do with your money, how to use your taxes, how to marry the right person. So we need more than morality. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. And if we're going to make good, rightful, helpful decisions in life, we need wisdom. Wisdom is more than morality, but it is also more than just mere knowledge. There are some decisions in life that all you need is the facts. You just need knowledge, right? That you just need the facts. Decisions like, what medicine should I take? What size shirt should I wear? What size car does my family need? For my family, the one with the most seats possible. (laughs) You don't need wisdom here, you just need the facts. But for most of the decisions in our lives, most of the decisions in our lives, knowledge and morals aren't enough. We need wisdom. So if wisdom is more than morality, it's more than knowledge, what is it? What is it? And I think we all would say, uh, you know, statistics are made up half the time. But someone I read this week said that 80% of the decisions we make are decisions we need wisdom for. So what is it? To answer that question, we're going to look at Proverbs 8 and 3 today, chapter 8 and chapter 3. I want to first give you a definition of wisdom, and then I want to explain how I got that. Here's a definition of wisdom, and then I'm going to explain how we got that. So, wisdom is becoming competent in regard to the realities of life. Wisdom is becoming competent in regard to the realities of life. Wisdom is more than knowledge, and it is more than just doing the right thing. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate the realities of life in how the world works. Let me show you. Proverbs chapter 8, starting in verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. Notice the first thing he says. He uses this word prudence. Prudence. And I find knowledge and discretion. The idea as you dig into that, that, that uh, sentence there and that word prudence in the original language is this idea that it is knowing how things really are. Knowing how things really are. That is, that you notice the little distinctions between things. It is exactly what Sherlock Holmes does, right? We walk into a room and we just see a bunch of random things, but he walks into a room and he says, oh, there's mustard on their sleeve and there's grass on the ground and there's this scuff mark on the door. I know exactly what happened. He notices the little things and unlocks the mystery. To have wisdom means that we see the nature of things themselves. We see how they really are. We're not blinded by narratives, not blinded by our own desires or our own perspectives. We're not easily deceived because we see things and understand what they are. 
Then we read that wisdom isn't just this word prudence, this idea of, of noticing the little distinctions between things. But we read that wisdom is about having insight. And the idea of that word is understanding. Understanding how things really work. You, you know, I can offer no real insight to you into how to invest in the stock market because I lack the understanding of how the stock market actually works. I have no wisdom when it comes to the stock market. Apply that to any area in life, relationships, education, financial decisions, decisions about entertainment or politics or raising your children. To have wisdom on a topic means you understand how it works. You understand the gears and the ins and outs and the details. You have a deep understanding of the ins and outs of a thing. I think both of these ideas are summed up well if you read verses 22 through 31 where the author says that God possessed wisdom and used wisdom when he created the world. That whole section 22 through 31 is just this kind of creation narrative where God says, I had wisdom before the world and he uses wisdom to create the world. You see, every other creation story throughout history, whether it be Greek mythology, North mythology, uh, the German myths, whatever, they tell of creation accounts that the world was created through violence or through chaos. That the world was created either by accident or a byproduct of the gods fighting amongst themselves. But only the Bible tells us that God uses wisdom and intentionality and purpose to create a world that isn't random or isn't by accident, but has an order and a pattern to it. That's really, really important. That's the big idea, the big first step of having wisdom. That there is a pattern to the world. And if you know the patterns you will be able to go with the flow of those created patterns and therefore make wise decisions that give you a better chance of happiness and prosperity and you have less of a chance of making foolish decisions that wreak havoc in your life. The fool goes against the grain, against the patterns and flow of the world and the wise man understands the patterns of the world and goes with them. Look at verse 8 with me. Or chapter, sorry, chapter 8 verse 15. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles and all who govern justly. See, wisdom is knowing how things really are, and it is knowing how things really work. It is knowing the pattern of the created world. But then you have to have this, knowing what to do about it. You can't, it's not enough to just have this knowledge, have this wisdom, have these ideas, but you have to be use those to make a decision. Just as kings and rulers lead and rule by wisdom, so must we rule and lead our lives by wisdom. we got to make choices. Wisdom is made manifest in action. It moves from knowing how things really are and how they really work and how the patterns of the world are, are created and then taking all of that insight and making decisions based off of it. See, wisdom is becoming competent in regard to the realities of life. Wisdom is becoming competent in regard to the realities of life, to those patterns of life, to how it really works. Competent, meaning you've got the skill needed to navigate the life. Let me, ex- let me give you an example from marriage that may not be universally true, but I think probably is generally true. In every premarital counseling session I've ever done, or marital counseling, this has been true. So please, don't get mad at me. 
the wise husband knows when his wife is venting, he should listen. The foolish husband knows when his wife is, is venting, he should try to fix it. He should try to fix the problem because that never works. Understanding that most of our wives are not looking for a solution when they're venting. They probably already know the solution, and instead they're simply looking for someone to understand what they're feeling, what they're going through, what's going on in their head. We may not get it, but we, we, everything in us screams, oh, I can fix this for you. I can fix it right now. But as soon as you try to talk, nope, you're done. You're done messed up. The wise husband has learned through experience to just listen and then say, man, honey, that is hard. And you've won. Right, babe? I'm telling you, I'm telling you husbands, just listen. Thank you. Wisdom is becoming competent in regard to the realities of life. Another important thing you need to understand about wisdom And this is probably a frustrating thing, but it's true nonetheless. Wisdom is a path we walk, not a door we open. Wisdom is a path we walk, not a door we open. Here's what I mean by that. Most of us, when we decide we want wisdom, most of us, we go looking for wisdom, and we look for it in the next book, and the next mentor, and the next podcast, and the next secret knowledge thing that will unlock for us the secrets of wisdom in some certain area. It is the reason that you can go to any bookstore right now and on display, on the shelf, right big in front of you will be all of these best-selling books that are five best practices for a thriving marriage or the one secret you need to finally lose weight or the 10 steps to financial freedom or whatever. You know, the, the, the secret to a happy life. All of those are on display because we think if we just read those books or just listen to that podcast or just get that knowledge, we will unlock the secret and have wisdom to be able to navigate that area. Because as modern people, we think that wisdom is found in a technique. We think wisdom is found in a technique. We think that the way to navigate the realities of life is to subdue reality to fit the desires of my soul. And if I can find a technique, I can, I can mold the world to fit me and what I want. And this is one of our biggest problems. We desire things, and even, even if those things that we desire go against the grain, against the pattern of the world, we think we can harness enough willpower or enough secret knowledge to bend reality to fit the desires of my heart. And if I can just get that knowledge and I can have the will and I can do it, I'll find happiness and success in that area. Christians even do this with, in, in the name of spirituality, right? We are, uh, we are in danger of this. Like, think, okay, it, we think if I go to church and if I give my time and if I give my money and if I study and if I'm a moral, good, upright person, I'll be happy and prosper. But what have they done? They've turned spirituality into a technique in order to get the desires of their heart, to bend the reality to their will. And so what happens when suffering comes? What happens when things don't work out the way you wanted them to? Well, the temptation is, well, Christianity didn't work. The technique of Christianity didn't work. The secrets of Christianity what must not be what I was looking for, and so it must be somewhere else. Or spiritual people think wisdom is in unlock and discovering God's will for my life. 
Gosh, how many books have been written about discovering God's will for my life, and we've devoured them trying to find the secret answer of God's will for my life, not realizing it was in this book all along. Have you ever prayed about a decision you need to make, and then you search your feelings like you have the force, right? And, and you've searched, and you look for that inner peace, and then you felt peace about a certain decision, and then therefore you believe that that was God's confirmation of his will because you just felt a certain way about it? What does the Bible say about your feelings? Not good things. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can trust it? Who can know it? But yet we've prayed and we felt peace about this decision, so that must be God's confirmation of his will. Or maybe you don't feel peace about it, and so you ask for a sign. God, give me a sign. And you spill coffee on a picture of one of the houses you were thinking about buying. You say, see, that's the one God doesn't want us to get because I spilled my coffee and it covered that one and not this one. That's God. And it just happens to be the house you really like that didn't get spilled coffee on. Or maybe you prayed, God, just give me a verse. Just give me a verse. And what do you do? You just... You just go, God, give me a verse, give me a sign, come on. And you flip it open and you point right here, give me a verse, show me something. And you read, and it says, and Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> and you're like, I think I messed that up, let me try again. And you do this, and, and you do it again, and you slam your finger down, and it says, go and do likewise. <laughs> and you're like, God, I think we're, we're, we're messing up, let me try one more time. You get one more time, God, you go, and you go, bam, you go, what thou doest, do quickly. And you realize that's not the way to figure out wisdom for how to decide what you're going to do in life. That's not how the Bible works. The Bible isn't a crystal ball. It's not a technique. It's not a secret knowledge that's meant to help you have, make hard decisions. You don't just need one verse somewhere that's going to unlock it. Wisdom isn't a door we open. It's not a door to secret knowledge we obtain. This is not how ancient people saw the world. Like we did. They saw it differently than we did. This is not how the author of Proverbs saw wisdom. Wisdom wasn't a way to conform the world to the desires of my heart. Rather, wisdom was the solution to navigating life. It was the ability to conform the soul and the heart to reality. It's the opposite. I don't conform the world to me. I conform me to the world. To the patterns of the created order. That's another good definition of wisdom, I think. The ability to conform your soul to reality. So how do we do that? Well, it's not a one-stop shop, right? It's not read a book, listen to a podcast. It's not a technique to discover some secret knowledge. It's not a door. It's a path. It's not a door you unlock and open and find the secret knowledge. It's a path you have to walk. Move on with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, flip back a few chapters. Verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. How do you walk down a path? How do you progress down the path of wisdom? One foot at a time. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Wisdom is obtained by walking the Lord's path one step at a time. This is not what I want to hear or what you want to hear. This uh, does not make for best-selling books because as modern people, we want this instant fix. We want wisdom right now. We want to read a book, give me the secret knowledge, give it to me right now. Give me, when we follow that, that, that Instagram influencer, let, give me the secret knowledge. Wisdom doesn't come that way. It comes by walking the path one step at a time. It is boring 
It is long, it is repetitive, but it is steady and it is daily. And it is the only way that you make progress and get further down the path to get somewhere, to get wisdom. See, wisdom doesn't come from the big, exciting, life-altering things that happen in your life. Wisdom comes through the everyday small decisions you make that determine your life. Wisdom comes from the small, everyday, menial things that you do in your life. You become wise by having a certain set of daily practices that after years and years and years of doing it, you eventually become wise. It's why we say wisdom comes with age. Right? We say that wisdom comes with age. Why? Because they've been walking down the path for a really long time. I've just started. It takes time and intentionality to get it. There is no shortcut to gaining wisdom. It's walking the path daily, one step at a time, and slowly growing in wisdom. So what is this path? And what are the things that you need to do to grow in wisdom and get down the path? Well, certainly there are many things, and I cannot mention them all. Certainly we'll talk, we could talk about Bible reading and prayer and many other things. But I'm going to point out to you five things that are in chapter 3 alone, five things that I think are helpful to, as steps that walk us down the path of wisdom that we might grow in wisdom. So five things that we need to know that we need to grow deeper in in order to grow in wisdom. Proverbs 3, verse 3 gives us the first one. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Number one. To walk down the path of wisdom, you have to know God. You have to know God. Particularly, you have to know the steadfast love of God. This steadfast love, this language in this verse, is the love that God has for us. His steadfast love is for us. It is that love that, that he is not giving up on us. He is long-suffering and patient with us. right? And it is this love, and he says that we must bind around our necks and write it on our hearts. The idea here is that you have to know God's love for you deeply and remind yourself of it daily. You have to find ways to make God's love real for you. Not just like abstract out here in the ethos. You have to make it real and personal reality for you. Not that just God theoretically loves you, but that he actually loves you particularly right now in this moment with all your warts and everything. And so you've got to find ways to get that reality in your heart, whether that be through reading scripture or through praying or through singing songs or through talking to your friends. However you get it, you've got to get it deep in your bones that God loves you right now as you are. Why do you need this for wisdom? One of the ideas you read throughout the book of Proverbs is that the wise person is characterized by this this idea of, of, of calm, poise, confidence. Throughout Proverbs, you have this idea that the wise person is kind of characterized by a calmness, a poise, and a confidence. They're not prone to lashing out. They're not prone to hot tempers. They are secure and confident and therefore are able to perceive the world rightly. Well, how do you become someone who is calm, poised, confident, and secure? How do you become that type of person? Well, the first step is by knowing that God really loves you. By knowing that God loves, God's love gives you rest. And so you can stop performing. You can stop pretending and stop trying to prove yourself to everyone else that you're somebody, that you're important, or that you're good. You can stop performing and rest in who uh, you are right now and that God's love for you isn't going anywhere, even if you stop pretending. 
And when you, when you can do that, and you can stop performing, stop pretending, and just rest in God's love, well, that gives you peace and confidence and rest. And it allows you to just be you. It allows you to just be you. So we got to get the love of God for you, particularly deep in your heart, through daily reminders of his love so that you can have this secure, calm poise and be on your way to becoming wise. One thing, uh, I'll give my wife credit. She mentioned this yesterday, and I thought, man, that was so good. This idea, okay, so we're going to write, write uh, the love of God on the tablets of our heart. One of the ways to do that is by memorizing scripture, right? Like memorizing the promises of God, memorizing the good things of God. Like memorize Romans 8. Who can separate us from the love of God, either height nor depth. You know, I don't have it memorized on anything in all of creation. You know, memorizing that, knowing that. Well, do you remember what we used to call when you memorize something? We used to call it learning it by heart. And why is it that we called it learning it by heart? Because when you memorize something, you take it into your very heart. It becomes a part of you. It becomes part of your very soul. And what way, better way to get the love of God as a part of your heart than to memorize his love for you in the scriptures or to learn them by heart. So do that. Number two, Proverbs 3, 5 and 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The second thing we got to do to get down the path of wisdom is not only do we need to know the love of God, but we need to know ourselves. You need to know yourself. Know yourself. One of the great paradoxes of the, of the book of Proverbs is that wise people are aware of their own foolishness, and it is only fools who believe themselves to be wise. Let me say it another way. If you don't think you're a fool, then you're a fool. But if you say, man, I've been such a fool, well, you're on the path to becoming wise. Why is it that the truly wise think they're foolish? Because being wise is to be in touch with reality. And that means you know who you really are. You know yourself. And that, to know yourself, as Socrates would tell us, Socrates would tell us, know thyself. To know yourself means to know your limitations, to know your flaws, to know your besetting sins and weaknesses. And only when you know those things, when you know your weaknesses, when you know your besetting sins, when you know your flaws, will wisdom show up in you that you would make wise decisions in light of your weaknesses. And the only way that you can know your weaknesses is to do step one first, to know the love of God. Because only when you are secure in the love of God Will you be able to be honest with yourself about your weaknesses? If you're insecure, needing the approval of others, you will never be honest with yourself. If you're insecure, needing the approval and affection of others, you will pretend, you will perform, you'll try to be someone else you're not to get love. But if you rest in who you are and who, how God's love for you is now, you'll be honest about yourself and your weaknesses. You'll be able to say, man, I've messed up here. If not... What you'll say is, man, you'd act like me too if your kids were as crazy as mine. You'll justify. You'll, you'll uh, excuse it because of some uh, experience in your life. Only when you know the love of God deeply and daily will you have the confidence to feel safe enough to be honest about your weaknesses and really know yourself. Only then will you be able to have a ruthless self-examination of yourself and to be super honest with yourself about who you really are and what your real problems are. 
To be wise, you must know God's love, but you also must know yourself. Without knowledge of self, you will live like a fool. But only when you know what a fool you have been will you be able to live in wisdom. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The third thing is you got to know your friends. you got to know your friends. This chapter and all over the place in Proverbs, we see the writer addressing the reader. We see the chapter, verse 1 here and all over Proverbs. We see the writer addressing the reader of Proverbs as my son. My son. And that is probably because Proverbs was most likely written uh, for a boys' school where they would have been training and learning wisdom from a mentor. It's probably written for that purpose. So be not wise in your own eyes, we just read. Be not wise in your own eyes. Well, the idea is that the fool is an individualist. The fool says, I don't need anyone else to tell me I know. I know what's right. I know the truth. It doesn't matter what you say to me. I know. I don't need anyone else. Spend five minutes on Twitter. Spend five minutes on Facebook, and you will find people who will not listen to anyone else's objections, anyone else's pushback on any topic because they know they are right. And everyone else is a sheep. But so often, it is their inability to listen to the criticism, their inability to receive pushback that actually makes them fools, according to Proverbs. A wise person is so unsure of their own wisdom that they know they need other people to speak into their lives and ideas and decisions. A wise person knows that they don't know everything. A wise person knows that they don't see everything. A wise person knows that there are gaps in my knowledge. A wise person knows that they don't know what they don't know. And so a wise person seeks counsel, seeks advice, seeks wise people who are humble in their ideas and decisions so that they can receive wisdom. And it is only that that gives us confidence when our decisions and thoughts are confirmed by many others. A fool hears resenting uh, voice, dissenting voices and comes up with every reason why they're wrong. Ungod- why they're ungodly, why they're unspiritual, unlearned, or some excuse as to why they don't understand and they don't know. But the wise person knows they need other people ever to, to ever be moving forward. They need other people in their life to speak into it. Because things are often far more complicated than they seem on the surface. This is one of the reasons, one of the core values of our church is that we grow better together. Because we know that we cannot walk in wisdom toward the Lord in isolation or being alone, but rather we need each other, right? What is the, the Bible says that we are one body with many parts. One body, many parts, right? We're many parts, but we're one body. We need each other. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, right? Because I can't walk without you. The ear can't say to the nose, I don't need you because I can't smell without you. We are one body, but many parts. We need each other. To grow in wisdom. You see, information is not enough, right? We get information from a class. We get information from a podcast. We get information from an article. But we need wisdom. We get wisdom from community. It's not enough just to go try to get knowledge. We need wisdom from multiple people speaking into our life. I will say there is, I said earlier there's no shortcut to wisdom and I kind of lied. Lord, forgive me. Be with the pygmies over there in New Guinea. 
I will say, there is one shortcut to wisdom. And it's not a door, but one way to speed down the path is to find old people. Find old people in your life and listen to them. Find somebody with gray hair. Amen? Or no hair. Or no hair. (laughs) Preach, come on. And listen to them. You want to find the shortcut to wisdom? Find the people that have been walking down the path for a really long time and listen to them. Now, let me say, just because you're old or just because you have gray hair or no hair doesn't mean you're wise. Not all old people are wise. But where you find wisdom is in old people. It's the reason the Bible says that a, a gray hair is a crown of glory. All right? So, but most of the time, what do we do? Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand what I'm going through. Things were different back then. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. Listen. Find older people in your life and stop trusting your own reasoning. Stop trusting your own ability to be wise and submit to their wisdom. Let the mistakes of their past prevent you from making the mistakes in your present. Listen to them. Wisdom comes from knowing God, knowing ourselves, knowing wise friends. Fourthly, Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. We have to know God's best practices. We have to know and follow God's best practices. That's the patterns he set out in his word and his rules. The word for commandments here in verse 1 is the word Torah, which refers to the first five books of the Bible. So if you want to be wise, you have to master the scriptures. You have to know the scriptures. What does the Bible say? They are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You have to know more than just the Ten Commandments. You have to know the whole Bible. God created the world with a pattern, remember? And so it works in a certain way. And the only way that you know what that pattern is, is to know what God says about the pattern in his word. Remember when Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. Or turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. Don't just take your cloak, give him your cloak also. Or the last will be first. Or it is better to serve or better to give than receive. These are all things that the world will say is foolish. The world would say, store everything up. Someone hits you, hit them back. But Jesus, the wise man, says, the creator of the world who designed the world says, no, it's better to give than receive. It's better to serve. It's better to lay down your life. (laughs) Up is down, down is up. And the only way to know the way the world actually works isn't by observation, but by knowing the book. Knowing God's word. And I'll give you another example. The Bible says to love and forgive your enemies. Love and forgive your enemies. Well, the world says, make your enemies pay. The world says, make your enemies pay. Crush them. Get them out of your life. They're just a drain on you. And then you'll be happy. Then you'll feel justice. Crush them and get them out of your life. But God knows that you will never find true peace. That it actually, if you do that, what the world wants you to do, it will actually haunt you and it will crush you. And it is only in forgiving and loving your enemies that you'll actually find inner peace for yourself. Go try. Go try to crush your enemies. 
You'll try to hate them, and you'll become a miserable soul. But go forgive them and love them, and it'll be really hard, but you'll be set free. Because God knows how the world works, because he made it. God made the world. So trust his wisdom. Trust the creator. Follow God's best practices for your life by knowing what those are in his word. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. The last thing we got to know is we got to know trouble. We got to know trouble. If you live in wisdom, Proverbs shows us that often good things follow. If If you're a wise person, good things will mostly follow from your life. You'll be generally more happy, you'll generally prosper, all those things. But as the Bible tells us, we know that the world is broken. And no matter how wise we are, bad things will come for us. Suffering and pain and and hard days will come for us. Suffering will come. But what the wise person knows is that difficult days are just part of God's way of training us. Wisdom doesn't avoid suffering. Rather, it transforms suffering into more wisdom. The wise person transforms suffering into more wisdom. When suffering comes, you could be tempted to go stoic and have no emotion. Right? I'm fine. I'm not I'm, I'm totally okay. Everything's good and you f- don't feel anything. Or you could be tempted to, to, that suffering would drive you toward bitterness and anger and resentment. God, why would you let this happen? But those are both the way of the fool. The wise person... Let suffering and difficult days drive them to knowing God deeper, knowing yourself clearer, and resting on your friends all the more. And the reason older people often have so much more wisdom is because they've already been through those trials. They've gained the wisdom along the way through those troubling days. And in the same way, it is through those trials that we gain wisdom. Wisdom isn't a door, it's a path. The path that the further we go down, the more we navigate the realities of life well. To get down the path isn't special secret knowledge. It is the mundane daily tasks of knowing the love of God deeper. Doing intentional things to know God's love deeper. To be honest with yourself and to know ourselves truly. By listening to other wise friends and seeking counsel. By reading and understanding God's word. And by learning through the trials of life, we walk down the path of wisdom. And as you walk down that path, you will grow in it. Wisdom will make your life go so much better. It will lead to happiness and prosperity and joy. And also suffering, but ability to navigate that suffering. But also that wisdom can then be passed on to others. One of the things that the book of Proverbs does is it personifies wisdom as a woman. Lady wisdom. Wisdom in, Pro- in Proverbs is this... Uh, <coughs> Lady wisdom who's speaking, this wisdom is speaking to us. But in the New Testament, we have this interesting passage, several, but I'll point out one of them. Uh, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then a little bit later, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That w- the word there for word is the word logos, which means to, to, to understand something, to understand deeply what something is. It's where we get our word ology from. Cardiology, you understand heart. Biology, you understand life. It's the idea of wisdom. In the beginning was, was wisdom. And the wisdom was God. 
Like wisdom was with God, and it was God. But then it says, and wisdom took on flesh and dwelt among us. You see, Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. He is wisdom itself personified, taking on flesh. And so Jesus came showing us how to truly live, what it meant to be truly wise, what it means to truly navigate the complexities of life. He came to show us how our hearts were truly broken and that our greatest need was forgiveness through his cross. The wise man knows that the love of God is true for us because of the cross. The wise man knows himself as a sinner in desperate need of grace because Jesus has pointed out to us that we're sinners. The wise man knows true friends are those who point him back to Jesus, not away from him. The wise man knows that true friends are the ones that point us back to the cross again and again and again and again. And the wise man knows that God's best practices are centered on the cross. The cross is the epitome of wisdom. It's foolishness to the world, but it is wisdom to us. That the way to find your life is to lose it. Do you want to grow in wisdom? It starts with Jesus. If you got Jesus, but want to grow in wisdom, it's not a door, it's a path. And you can't sit on the path, you have to walk on the path. You can run down the path, but it's a path. And I suggest that we start walking down it now. Because when you need to make that decision tomorrow, that big decision in six months, if you need to get wisdom, then it's too late. Because it's not a door you just unlock. It's a path you got to walk. And so we have to start today. So that tomorrow we'll be wise enough to navigate the complexities of life and therefore be blessed. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you would send your son, the epitome of wisdom, the embodiment of wisdom, to show us how to live and to show us that it's not just about making all the right decisions, but it's about looking to a cross where we find forgiveness and rest because we are broken and sinful. Wisdom starts and ends with the cross. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you'll never be wise. You'll never be as wise as you could be. You'll never truly be wise because you won't know the creator, the one who created the patterns in the world. And so would you this morning come and talk and say, Brent, I want to know what it means to follow Jesus. If you're here this morning and you do follow Jesus, God, would you give us the strength and the awareness that we need your love, not abstractly, but personally. Father, would you help us to see ourselves, to find trusted, wise other people in our life, and to know your word, so that when we navigate trouble and we have to make hard decisions, the wise choice will be ever before us. Father, we're thankful for you. Be with us today. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. All simple said. We'll stand and sing.